It's Thursday, March 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann, from income investor James Early, and from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser. Guys, good to see you. Good so to see you, Chris. Yesterday, Bill was complaining about being last, yes. so today you put him first. That's why That's I right. the smile. That right. is. Squeaky wheel gets Mr. the grease. Excellent. All right. Be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we've got a turf war between CBS and Netflix. We've got IMAX aiming to make a big splash in China, but we will begin overseas. Portugal is the latest member of the EU facing financial collapse. The government quit late Wednesday after opposition parties rejected the latest debt reduction plan, and Portugal's prime minister has resigned. Uh, Bill, I will start with you. Even Warren Buffett came out and said that in the wake of all this, the disintegration of the euro is not unthinkable. Is anybody shocked that, uh, that, that, that Portugal is where it is now from a financial perspective? I mean, governments are all about putting a happy face out there. So for the last year, Portugal has been saying, oh, no, we're not going to have a financial crisis here. No, we're not like Greece. We're not like Ireland. They're exactly like Greece and <laughs> Ireland. They have They're a, slightly bigger than Greece. Yeah. yeah. Better They're, soccer team. That's right. <laughs> they are slightly more West than Greece. So Greece West. Um, it's going to cost at least $99 billion to bail out Portugal. And once again, the same countries are going to have to do it. It's going to be Germany. It's going to be France. I mean, at some point, this becomes a real problem. I mean, both from a politics standpoint and from a financial standpoint. James? Yeah, I would, it's a real problem already, I would even say. I mean, this is sort of the, the, the sovereign version of just walk away, you know, which is what the, the underwater home buyers here in the U.S. would do just to give up. Um, you can't just quit. Or I guess you did. They just quit the government. I was going to say, the prime minister had no problem <laughs> yeah, just yeah, walking away. Just walking Y'all away. figure it out by yourselves. Is, I hate to say it, but this is why Portugal is Portugal. This is why there's this <laughs> sovereign risk. I mean, they do stuff like this, and this scares investors. At what point um, do countries like Germany just say, uh, you know, we're not going to help you out? Or is there, do they have no option? I don't think they have an option. I mean, there's no exit clause for the euro. I mean, they have to support it. I mean, the big problem in, in, in Portugal, they can't devalue their currency. I mean, that's how you get out of debt problems is yeah. you devalue your currency. Well, they are in the euro. So what is the takeaway for the average U.S. investor other than a weak euro means I get some cheap travel ahead of me? <sighs> Gosh, I mean, it's not like it's it's not like it's historically cheap. I mean, the euro is still yeah. at one forty. Portugal is, is is tiny, and their debt was already yeah. almost historically expensive. No surprise, yeah. yeah. So it's really for the average U.S. investor, it's something to just grab the popcorn and watch for a while. Yeah, I think so. I mean, long term, there will have to be very very difficult conversations about the euro and how these countries you know manage themselves. But you know, this is yet another step. CBS, which owns Showtime, announced it will remove some of Showtime's programming from Netflix's streaming video service. Jason, this comes just days after Netflix announced it planned to offer its own original programming. Possible coincidence there? Maybe there's a coincidence in the timing. It seems like a little bit of a chess game. They're all trying to see who's going to make the next move and what they're going to do. But uh, I mean, I think, you know, you, you look at this and you say, okay, Showtime's probably trying to play hardball here a little bit. Uh, HBO, they're kind of following HBO's lead there and telling viewers that if you want this this particular content, this popular content, then you're going to need to subscribe to our channels to get it. You know, I mean, they have shows like uh, Dexter and Californication that they're saying, no, we're not going to put those out there. You'll be able to get the DVDs that are that are available mm-hmm. in the library, but the stream-wise, you're not going to be able to stream them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's not surprising to see them do this because it kind of goes to the argument we've been you know, been been using for a while here that the cost of content is going to go up. Uh, 
I think it puts the the studios that produce this content in a little bit of a better position as well, because all of a sudden you have HBO, Showtime, and even maybe Netflix all trying to go in there uh, to compete for that stuff together. CEO Reed Hastings, what is his next move here? Or, or let me give you another question. What's keeping him up at night? Is it stuff like this? Is it the TV networks? Because it seems like the TV networks have a slightly stronger hand than the movie networks do. Yeah, I mean, I think Netflix is always going to be considered the movie uh, outlet. They're always going to have that movie game one. But when it comes to things like TV content, things that, you know, I mean, that's a very streamable type of of, uh, of good there. I mean, there are 20 episodes in a season or whatever. It's really nice to be able to stream those things as opposed to having to wait for a DVD in the mail. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine this is probably one of those things that is keeping Reed uh, Hastings up at night is how they're going to deal with not only the studios but the providers like HBO and Showtime. So I'm completely ignorant of of things tv i would <laughs> so if i'm the idea is I'm, if i'm too you know cheap, what it looks like right it's a big box has pictures oh, on so it. I, I can turn it on but that's about it's it not and, cereal and show my son the yo gabba gabba on the tivo and i that's that's my uh, extent of it but <laughs> so let me ask you this if i'm too cheap to get showtime is the idea that i would just subscribe to netflix and, and get the episodes that i want instead well, I mean, I'm going to jump right in there and say because I am too streaming cheap to get Showtime. Already. I don't have Showtime. I do have Netflix. And, and so for me, that's one of the, the nice parts about Netflix is I don't have to get something like Showtime to, to get a show like you know Weeds or, or Californication or whatever the, the show may be. How do you know you uh, want to watch it if you haven't seen it on Showtime first? Well, and that's it. I saw it on Netflix first. Uh, so now recommendation. I'm hooked. Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe Showtime's thinking I'm hooked and now I'm going to get you know Showtime, but that's not going to be the case. Jason, so, Jason is weak-minded and easily convinced of things. That's <laughs> and 20 years ago, anyone who said, I get yoga. Gabba Gabba on the TiVo would have been checked for a stroke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shares of IMAX up big today after the company announced a deal to open 75 new IMAX screens in China. IMAX currently has 35 screens in operation with a goal of having 300 in the next five years. Uh, James Early, we have joked in this room before about it seems like every company under the sun comes out and says, well, we feel like China represents a really big growth opportunity for us. It seems like IMAX actually is executing that type of growth opportunity. It does. And China is IMAX's second already before this deal. So IMAX's second largest market outside of the U.S. And this is, this is to be clear, this is a partnership with a Chinese company and the deal terms have not been disclosed, but we presume it's some sort of revenue share uh, you know, when most of us think of, of China, Chris, we think of the largest violator of intellectual copyright law or the largest <laughs> supplier of counterfeit pharmaceuticals. But is China, that what we think of? But China does make its wow. own films, too. Uh, China really wants to dominate this industry. So it's, it's bad for U.S. studios, but it is good for IMAX and, and good for, for people who distribute the films. Well, and uh, when you look at the U.S. movie market, uh, in 2010, it was basically flat compared to the year before. In China... Box office revenues up more than sixty percent for the year from the year before. So, Bill, man, I mean, this is this is a growth market within a growth market. Yeah, the global games guys have been all over these kinds of stories in China, looking for things that are in the second tier and third tier cities in China, and that's what you're seeing here. There's a two hundred million person middle class in China, and. IMAX is sort of uniquely structured to be able to go out and get after it. I mean, they've got a technology. They're, they're, they're going after a real growth demand industry in China. And you're talking about discretionary spending. You're talking about an area that, that is really, I mean, in, in, where, where China is involved, you're, you're talking about something where there is real growth and you're seeing it in a, in a lot of di- different industries. So this is a place where I think that, uh, that, that the, uh, the growth story is probably right. You guys have a, a favorite movie snack? Bill? I'm going to have to go with ribs. 
<laughs> Sneaking ribs into the movie theater? That's a bold move. I like that. Actually, actually I love the, the, the snow caps. What is a snow cap? You know, there's little chocolate yeah. things. Yeah, got dark chocolate on top the little, there. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea what Extraordinarily this is. masculine. Yeah. Jason? Uh, you know, I'm a popcorn fan, but when I'm going to the theater, it is Milk Duds. Milk Duds. Yeah. Milk Duds. Uh, our producer, Matt. You know what those are, James? I do know what milk uh, does are. Yes. Our producer Matt Greer was telling me that uh, that his wife has a, a special kind of salt that she brings. So she likes the movie popcorn, but she's, she's br- is it Celtic so it's like the flavored stuff like jalapeno or cheddar. Or I'm something. not sure. It's got tequila in it. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we don't know. Lines we don't know. That's right. We, we can only speculate. Would you like some of my alcoholic popcorn? <laughs> uh, James? I, I do not go to the movie, so I do not have any favorite movie snacks. Sorry. What's your favorite It would be snack? wheat germ, wouldn't I was, it? I was just going to say. And I do not eat kale? wheat germ. Is it kale? Uh, uh, kale. I do eat a lot of kale. I eat a lot of parsley, cilantro. I eat them raw, too, because I don't like to cook vegetables, but I, I like to sort of mainline my veggies. So I'll just eat like a whole head of parsley just in one big sitting. And, and <laughs> I'm going to say that, the, uh, that, that the, movie, the movie theaters are, are missing a real opportunity not having raw <laughs> kale I, I'd buy it. Yeah. Available. Yeah. Maybe you'd go to a flick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get a, yeah. Give me, give me a large popcorn, a diet coke, and a, a, a bunch of kale. <laughs> Bill Mann, Jason Moser, James Ehrlich, guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We're closed on Monday, so have a great weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday. <laughs>